asked, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. Hi, and welcome to episode 291 of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. Welcome to a book review podcast where I'm going to be discussing the book, If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy. So Julie Murphy is the author of the Dumplin' series that I loved so much. And so when I heard about Julie writing a book, who she just so happened to be contacted by Disney to write a new, um, a newer kind of spin on Cinderella, I knew I had to read it, but I was expecting something different. So I unpack my surprise and all the different things with Yelly Cruz. Yelly, if you don't know her, she is the person that makes this podcast happen. <laughs> she does all the things behind the scenes and also is our resident bibliophile. So we do this book review podcast about once a month. So if you um, have read this book or you are going to read it now, if you're listening to this episode, join us um, over on Instagram at my um, handle is foodvoicerd and let us know your thoughts. Did you have the same experiences? Did you like it? Did you not tell us all the details? So without a further ado, let's go ahead and get this episode started, but we'll have a quick word from our sponsor. If you have a complicated relationship with food, I want to help. I have a number of free downloads you can get on my website at julieduffydillon.com slash voice that can get you started. One in particular is my PCOS Power Roadmap. This is the roadmap that gives you the first three steps to move away from diets and improve health while living with PCOS. If you don't have PCOS, I also have some downloads for you as well. Another popular download is my diet-free doctor visit handout. This is one that you can print out and customize so you can tell your doctor via this handout what your boundaries are in session. The cool part on the flip side is it's if you planted a seed, which many of you will with this interaction, it has a list of resources in case this doctor is ready to let go of diet culture as well, which we are all rooting for. So there are those two handouts and a number of other downloads you can get there. So the website again is julieduffydillon.com slash voice. 
After having graduated with a degree in shoe design and trying to get her feet on the ground, Cindy is working for her stepmother, who happens to be the executive producer of America's favorite reality show, Before Midnight. When a spot on the show needs filling ASAP, Cindy volunteers, hoping it might help jumpstart her fashion career or at least give her something to do while the peers land jobs in the world of high fashion. Turns out being the only plus-size woman on a reality dating competition makes a splash, and soon Cindy becomes a body-positive icon for women everywhere. What she doesn't expect, that she may just find inspiration and love in the process. Ultimately, Cindy learns that if the shoe doesn't fit, maybe it's time to design your own. Hey, Yelly, I'm excited to talk to you about If the Shoe Fits. It's nice to see you all cozy in your kitchen. Thank you. (laughs) So I know that you and I picked this book and we both had already read it, but we really want to talk about it. And as we got closer to recording, we both reread it. So we have like, I don't know, like I think there's something about reading a book twice that is not like my norm. Like I don't normally like want to read a book again, but reading this book the second time, I actually enjoyed it more. So anyway, just one of the things I want to unpack, but is there something that you're thinking would be a really good place to start our discussion with? Um, well, first of all, I also like really enjoyed reading it the second time again, um, more so than the first time. And I like can't tell you why, but I definitely did enjoy it more and just like picked up on more of like the cute little things that were happening. Mm-hmm. It's um, so cute. It's so cute. It's so like, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but I'm like, there were so many parts of it where I was like, oh, like there's a, my, my daughter's 14 and she, you know, she's all about like romance stories and things like that. And as I was reading it, I was like, basically felt like a 14 year old. <laughs> Yes, you know, I'm like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah, you get like the giggles and the butterflies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so cute. Um, but yeah, I guess to start off, I have to like confess and admit that I am like a big Cinderella story person. Um, Oh, you are. I am growing up. Cinderella was my favorite princess, so I have always been all over the Cinderella retellings. Um. And something that I really loved about this one that like was very different to me that I'd never read before is that the like relationship with her family, like her step family, was like very positive and like sweet mm-hmm. and loving. And she and her stepsisters just like love each other so much. And that's something that I really enjoyed. That was just so like light and uh, like a d- delightful to read. It was. And, you know, I had heard that the author, Julie Murphy, was picked to write this rewrite by Disney. Like, I had heard that that was, like, part of um, what was going on. And so I assumed it was going to have the typical kind of experience of um, the stepmom and the stepsisters hating uh, Cinderella or whatever and making uh, her life miserable. So I was, like, going into it, like, kind of bracing myself for that, like, eye roll of, like, oh, God, another, like, um, way of describing a character in that way, just like, especially women hating other women, like, and not supporting each other. I was just like waiting for that. And so that was something that surprised me. It kept like getting further and further and further where they were just supportive, 
you know, it was just really, it was really nice. And I did not know that Cinderella was your favorite princess. No, it was really nice. And I think that it was, uh, I also really liked how Julie Murphy didn't shy away from writing like a complex, like her relationship with her stepmother was still complicated. And I think that they had a couple of moments where you could tell that, um, Mm-hmm. Erica is her stepmother's name. wasn't like as far into like body positivity as um, Cindy was, and there were some really good examples yeah. of just like conversations that the two of them had, where Cindy either had to like set a boundary or just, um, I guess, like express that um, that she's like body positive to Erica. Um, that I think probably resonates with a lot of people who have like a similar relationship with their moms or parental figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the the one thing that I noticed with that dynamic is that push mm. to diet from the parental figure wasn't there. Like it was, um, I got that Erica wanted to protect um, Cindy from people, you know, saying mean things about her or putting her down. And yet there wasn't this like, well, you sh- if you just lost weight, then <laughs> and I get it. There's another thing I was just like waiting for. Um, and I think, I, you know, t- we hear a little bit about Cindy's um, upbringing with her father. And that was another thing that I didn't hear either was like um, references to like being pushed to diet or be smaller. Like the, wor- the world told her that her body was too big, but yet I didn't get that her dad told her that. And I just think that was something unique um, in this story. And um I wonder if that was like more of the norm, how that would be for other people, especially as they're advocating for themselves and setting those boundaries that at least at at home that they felt at home, you know, in their body, like they didn't have to diet um, Mm -hmm. just to like like performance diet, even at home. So I don't know if that's something that you've seen in other books or if you had any reaction to that, but that was something I thought was like a really a difference in this. Yeah, I mean, I honestly can't name off the top of my head um, another book or a story where that was just not um, like a, a story about body positivity specifically, the where um, the main character didn't have that kind of dynamic where they were like pushed to diet for some reason uh, in their own household. Um, and I think that that's also really interesting that like, even just by removing that from their relationship and like not making it a part of her life, that is um, also like radical in a way to like have built this little world where it's just not something that she ever mm-hmm. encountered from her like intimate loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there was a there were many parts of this book that were radical, but also in a subtle way. And yeah, that I think that was just mm-hmm. one of them. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's a, a big difference that I know that talking to other people, they crave, like, they wish they had that their own life. And then as they're raising either their own kids or just relationships that they have with young people in their life, wondering what they can do. And like, this is an example, like, you know, providing a spot for someone where they don't, where dieting is just not part of the equation is one thing you can do that can help that person then eventually be able to advocate for themselves later on when the world tells mm-hmm. them otherwise. So, so yeah, very good point. Any other part with the, with the relationships with the mom and sisters that you found interesting or different in, in this book? I think that 
I mean, I will just say that I loved that Erica is just like a baddie. Like I love that <laughs> she's just like a powerful, like corporate woman who just like is so good at her job and has like so much respect. And like, I loved seeing that. And like the majority of the big like kind of power players in this TV show were like just really strong, like women and femmes. And that is something that I found so much joy in. Um, they There's like a storyline or I guess just like uh, Cindy mentions it a couple of times that Erica has. So there's like Cindy and her two stepsisters, but then Erica also has like a set of triplets. And it's kind of a through line throughout the story that um, she needs to like hire help. Like she needs to hire like nannies and like somebody to like help her take care of like all of the kids while also balancing work and trying to figure out how to be like a good mom while also being good at her job. And that's kind of like a tension point for her. And I loved that. Like I loved Mm -hmm. that um, like positive rep of Erica being just this like powerful woman who is like fulfilled in her job, but also just like trying to learn how to like juggle all of these aspects of her Mm -hmm. life. Right. Yeah. I, as someone who's raising kids, I, that never really felt like a maternal kind of instinct of like how to do the mommy stuff. (laughs) I could relate to Mm -hmm. her struggle with like, or just like needing a coach or someone to help teach her how to mother. Um, and it, it felt really good. It felt like a, a normalizing of like, hey, some of us are just not built uh, knowing. It kind of reminds me of uh, experiences like trying to breastfeed. Like so many people are like, oh, it's so natural. It'll just be instinctual. And it was not at all for me. And it can feel really icky and shamey to be like, why can't I do this like thing, just natural thing? So yeah, the, the um, Erica and her like wanting to be a good mother, but also like normalizing that it it's okay that she didn't have this instinct, you know? And I yeah. didn't think about, I kind of thought about her mostly in that way, but you know, when you were mentioning how this was a really common theme for women and femmes in this book, I'm reminded of one of the contestants, was it Sarah Claire? Is that her name? Who also Mm -hmm. was uh, like an executive, I think, of some sort. Um, She was like the Southern person. And yes, yes. (laughs) And I I say, the way I'm thinking about this novel is um, the second time I read it is really in quotes read because I did the um, audio version. And the person who reads it has like different... um, ways of talking for all the characters. And so Sarah Claire had like a Southern kind of drawl. And I remember her talking and about her um, work and like the, just the type of like high exec type things that she does and how connecting that with her like Southern draw, how that even was like challenging some, some norms and conditions. So yeah, I love that. I, um, there's yeah. some other things I want to mention too about subtle radical things that Julie Murphy did in this book. Um, But uh, Yelly, we need to take a really quick break. So we will be right back. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. 
Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. Welcome back. And we are continuing our discussion on If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy. And, um, you know, Yelly and I are talking over a video chat so she can see the book I'm holding up. But after I read If the Shoe Fits, I lended it to my 14-year-old who loves romance novels. And Yelly can see all the little sticking out post-it notes from Karina. Um, I just think it's so cute. And the things, see the things that she highlighted and made notes about um, is just so cute. But yeah, the two of you have a lot in common because she loves to take notes of what she's reading. So, <laughs> so yeah, I love it. We need to have our own little book club. I know. I know. Well, she is uh, listening to your podcast now. So um, we'll oh make gosh. sure we put your podcast in the show notes. But yeah, she loves your podcast. Um, and we yeah, got this book, you know, there's there's a little bit of like um, making out scenes, but it's really not that much. So, you know, if you have someone who's like into like YA in your house, <laughs> then this is a book that mm-hmm. could fit just fine. So, um, but when, uh, before we hit a break point, I was thinking about like the radical things that I noticed Julie was doing. Um, but one of them had to do with race. And I noticed when she interviewed not interview when she introduced characters, you know, she would describe people. And I don't think I've ever read a book that would describe a person mm, who was white yeah. as white. You know, if someone was not white, often there would that was a part of the description. But she would say, you know, I uh, Addison, a white blonde, like so it, the descriptions were um including in that way, which I found to be just different. I don't know if you, how you felt about that or if it was something that came across your radar at all, but I just was like, I don't think I've ever had that experience reading a book before where like actually um, whiteness 
like I get the sense she was yes. trying to make whiteness not the default. Yeah, 100%. I also noticed that in the descriptions of the characters. Um, and I 100% think that that is like the work that Julie Murphy is doing in like identifying that. Because um, I think that like, like, you know, like I work in publishing as kind of my day job. And um, there definitely is this like default narrative that kind of happens where uh, a character is like white unless stated otherwise in a lot of situations. And I do think that it's very cool mm-hmm. that Julie Murphy, I think, was, I agree that she was subtly challenging that in kind of slipping that in there. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, yeah. Just another part that um, I hope, yeah, becomes more normal. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the other one was with pronouns. Um, not everyone was cisgender. And like how it was, again, the the part of it was just like, it was normal. And um, I found that to be really refreshing. Instead of like that being like this huge exploding kind of part of the book, it was just like, you know, they are walking across the street. You know, it was just like a part of the normal way of describing the the scene. So mm-hmm. I really, really appreciated that. So um, reading through some of our, our notes for the meeting, I know you mentioned um, kind of like how the book models how to advocate or be an ally. Um, what did you no- notice that Julie was doing with the characters in that regard? Mm-hmm. So like I personally am somebody who um, really kind of needs social scripts a lot, um, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. having difficult mm-hmm. conversations or like having um, like necessary conversations like that or conversations with any sort of tension. And I think that what I really appreciated, like I'll give an example near the beginning of the book, um, Cindy and her two stepsisters go shopping, um, I think for a new wardrobe for this like show that they're all going to go on and they go into this store and Cindy can't find anything in her size. And she has to like explain to her thin stepsisters that even though the size like they have like a three XL or whatever on their website, they don't carry the larger sizes in store. Um, and on their way out, the store like associate asks them the typical like, "Oh, did you find everything okay?" And one of her stepsisters like whips around <laughs> and like marches up to the like store associate and is like, "Actually, no. Like my stepsister wasn't able to find everything she needed because you didn't have her size." And, um, and Cindy then kind of chimes in and is like, I like, no, (laughs) she's like, does the typical, like, I know that you can't control, like, that's not your choice, but like, if you could pass it along, that would be great. Um, and I think that just like kind of seeing that in Mm -hmm. action and seeing that like as kind of a script of like something that you could say when that situation arises was really empowering for me in that moment. Um, and again, it was just like this like little moment in the book that made like it wasn't super long, maybe took up like two pages, but was like really impactful in that way for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That was um I I really enjoyed that part of the book too. And how I think the sisters even decided not to buy anything at the store. They were just like, mm-hmm. we're leaving, you know, we're not going to to buy anything. And they weren't necessarily known for their like progressive thinking. You know, they were kind of like <laughs> described almost as like what I would I was kind of picturing like 
a Kim Kardashian type or just like maybe not quite that famous, but just someone who's spending a lot of time on um, Instagram um, yeah. and they're, they're influencers or something. Right. So it, it wasn't, they weren't described as people who were like super invested in social justice, but they loved Cindy. That was her, their sister, you know? So they, mm-hmm. they were like, no, um, you know, another part that um, kind of like self-advocacy that I noticed was that, you know, throughout um filming for this show, um, part of reality TV, that's probably not a big surprise, um, is that a lot of it is scripted and stuff like that. And um, there were scenes where like the, the, the contestants would be wearing something. And then if they were selected to go on a special evening or something, they would um, give them an outfit and, you know, hair and makeup and stuff. And there were many times where they just didn't have something from for Cindy or anything really um, good enough. Like she was given like really lesser options. And one of the things she said is like, Hey, you all said you wanted me here. So you need to give me options so that I actually have the same access as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, it took repeating this many times to like the head of wardrobe, but, um, I think the, the head of wardrobe near the end was kind of like, I, I get that I have to try harder on this. <laughs> and so, um, and then, you know, hopefully it's not too much of a um, leaking of the end. But, you know, that costume um, or the wardrobe person comes through and helps out. But yes. <laughs> that, you know, Cindy basically saying instead of like, oh, I should just make do, you know, just really even saying like, hey, you wanted um, representation and you're getting a lot of um, positive feedback and attention because you're including someone that looks like me. So actually, like give me clothes to wear like you are for everybody else. So, um, yeah, that was, that was really great to see. Um, I can imagine that being almost a script of like, if you want me here, you will provide me what I need to make sure that I have, like, I'm not naked. (laughs) Yeah, literally that is something that I think I kind of glossed over the first time that I read it. Like, obviously I was like, oh, that really sucks that like she doesn't have anything to wear. But I think mm-hmm. that the second time I read it, that's something that I picked up on more is that mm. it really deals a lot with these examples of like clothing or lack of clothing as like an accessibility issue. Um, like if Cindy could not, did not have anything to wear, she would not be able to participate in the same way as all of the other people there who were thin. And that's Mm -hmm. a huge issue. And that was like a barrier for like to her in order to like be able to have the same access as everyone else. And I think that that is something that I, not a lot of people tend to um, consider when it comes to like, like for example, there was a, um, like a big store recently who expanded all of their sizing in store to include like their entire size range. And it was huge. And then recently they announced that they were kind of like going back on that and not making that standard for like all of their stores anymore. And it like in a lot of the conversations that I've been hearing about it, just like online in like media or whatnot, that's a point that I don't think people are necessarily hitting on is that like people like it's not just an issue of people wanting like plus size people wanting more options for the sake of like vanity it's that like if plus size people can't clothe themselves then that mm-hmm. is not accessible or like even like um 
if plus size people can't clothe themselves and present themselves the way that they want to, that's also just another issue. Like for me personally, I um, started going into my office building recently for my day job. And I realized that because over like the pandemic, I have gained weight, I have like a lot less options um, to go into the office. And that's been like a huge issue that I've kind of been navigating recently is like how to buy more clothes, but also like in a way that is like accessible to me and like my price point that I'm looking for and just being able to like present myself the way that I would like to present myself. Um, And that was really affirming as well to see in the book that like Cindy is also navigating all of these things. And I think was a great way to like bring awareness to the fact that it is like an access issue without, I guess, like in a kind of subtle way as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So many subtle things, but really powerful. I think I know what story you're referencing and um, it's just so shitty that, because it was such an important decision to offer in the store and then to go back on it. It's just so shitty. And uh, you know, the thing about Cindy is, um, you know, if you read this book, you'll see that she is like trained in, um, she went to Parsons so she can sew and, you know, <laughs> do things like that. So she would just like make things, um, put different outfits together that were in the smaller sizes. So they would fit her body and, and look the way that she wouldn't want to look or g- uh, good enough really for her. And so, um, not everyone's going to have that, <laughs> you know, not everybody's yeah. going to be able to sew and like do that kind of stuff. So, um, when I think about that part is like so many people will share with me how they feel like annoyed that they're still struggling with their body image, you know, like, okay, I'm not dieting anymore. I'm moving away from all of that. I need to get a swig of water. Mm. But like, so I'm not dieting anymore and I'm rejecting diet culture and I'm accepting my body and all these things. But then why am I still struggling? I think this is a piece of that. Like if the world mm-hmm. is not giving you tools to access the world, it's not about your body. It's about how that's broken, that the world is broken. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's really hard to sit in that. Like it's hard to sit in that feeling of knowing that it would just be easier to have access if you were smaller. Like that's mm-hmm. so tough. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like a consistent reminder and it's a lot of work to consistently pull yourself out of that feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that was something that the other contestants just had this extra, not really extra, like they had a lot more um, access to different I guess tools to woo this guy <laughs> because mm-hmm. they had all these extra clothes <laughs> and stuff. Um, well, I know we're running out of time, but um, something I, I was thinking about as I was like finishing the um, audio version of it is this is such a sweet story because so much of it, it was not just about Cindy, like being swept off her feet and um, just doing what the man wants to do but really about choosing what she wanted. And if it worked out, it worked out. I don't know. It's kind of like the, yeah. the, the way that I was kind of seeing it. And then I don't want to spoil it all because like I want you to read it. But <laughs> um, I don't know if, if you, what you think about that dynamic of even just like how her and Henry connected and how that relationship kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. I think that um, 
it's it's difficult. I think that this was kind of like a different romance because typically with romances, like the entire time you just follow the two characters or for like a lot of it, you follow the two characters. But because this was set in like that dating show um like scenario you really only get like they only really talk to each other like a handful of times throughout the story Mm -hmm. it's really mostly about cindy and she makes a big decision at the end of the book that i won't spoil but she makes a really big decision that like i um really respect and loved Mm -hmm. that she made um and I really love that that's the direction that Julie Murphy kind of took the story as well. Um, yeah. While still having all the warm, fuzzy Cinderella mm-hmm. kind of stuff to it. It was like, yeah, um, I felt like it was a type of book that did have an like a happy ending, you know, and it was like, it was put in a pretty package and it just had all that cuteness. So yes. I so appreciate that. Well, we're out of time. So any any final thoughts before we close up? Or do we unpack um, everything we need to unpack? I think so. Just Julie Murphy, we love you. That's <laughs> I know that she's, you know, she wrote all the, what was the other series, like the trilogy? The was Dumplin. it like Dumplin' and Puddin'? And I don't remember mm-hmm. the third one. Yeah, those were so cute too. Um, and I... Is it right that she's moving away from like YA type of work and doing more um, just adult novels, I guess? I don't yes. mean adult, like triple X, but like adult. Yes. <laughs> I think that she has, um, if I'm not mistaken, a like romance, like adult romance coming yes. out soon that she co-wrote oh, with one of her friends. Oh, fun. Oh, good. Okay. Can't wait to see that. Then. All right. <laughs> well, thanks, Yelly. Um, it was so great chatting with you about this book and all of the things we mentioned we'll put in the show notes. So have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Yelly Cruz about the book by Julie Murphy, If the Shoe Fits. Let us know what you thought about the book. Hop on over to Instagram at food. Voice RD. Food Voice RD is where we will be hanging out today and all this week talking about this book. And we are so curious if you had the same experience, something different. And also let us know what other books are out there that we need to include. They can be fiction, nonfiction, any genre. We are, are open to it. We like to do about one book review episode a month. So let us know at info at juliedillonrd.com. And I know it is time to sign off. I just heard the biggest bang of thunder. (laughs) So that's probably also the universe letting me know it is time for lunch. (laughs) So before I sign off, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would share the episode with someone or subscribe, maybe even both. Doing that really helps more people find the show, helps the show grow. It supports the show in so many ways. I don't even know if you can imagine. It helps us a lot. So thank you in advance. And also remember this episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast was uh, sponsored by my free downloads over at julieduffydillon.com slash voice. Be sure to check them out and I hope they help you on your food peace journey. All right, until next time, take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? 
go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Brebner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.